0: This is the Jaguars Broadcast in Review Podcast presented by TIAA Bank. It's Friday, May 20th. I'm J.P. Shadrick with the best of the week from Jaguars Radio, Jaguars.com, and our social channels, Jaguars Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks for listening on Jaguars.com through the podcast link at the top of the homepage or on the official Jaguars Podcast Network. That's on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. We love feedback, so leave us a comment and a five-star rating. Let's begin this week with reaction to last weekend's rookie minicamp. Ashton Sullivan, John Ozier, Brian Sexton, and I gave our first impressions of the first overall draft pick, Trayvon Walker.
1: I think we're all sort of lead with the same thought that it's easy to see why they drafted Trayvon Walker. I 100%. mean, he, he's, uh, a put on this earth. God came down and touched him and said, you will play pro football. <laughs> and his, he's an unbelievable specimen. Maybe the best specimen that they've ever drafted. Number one, you know, or in the first round to come in here, unbelievably impressive. And, uh, you know, it's just may, but Wow.
2: You know, it's, it's funny you say that. So I was thinking about the guys. You know, Beselli, obviously, 6'7", and 330 pounds when he walked in here. John Henderson, you know, bigger if that's possible sure. when he came in here in 2002. Yep. Um, Fred was impressive for six 230. You're like, okay, look at that. And it can run. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. 4340. I mean, yeah. uh, unbelievable. But when you got up close to Walker, you saw a guy who physically – the only guy that's, I think, come close to him in terms of looking like it's supposed to look is Tony Brackens. Um Arms just forever. And then just catcher's mitts. I mean, just enormous hands. Um move so fluidly, so effortlessly through the drills. When he hit the bag, remember Slim? We were standing there. It was boom, yeah, right? It was scary. When the other kid from Norfolk State, and he played at Norfolk State for a reason, right? I mean, he's a, pop, pop, pop. This kid, boom. When Walker hits it, it's he was, as John said, touched. He's supposed to play professional football. And... um I was, we were just all in awe of what we saw in terms of, the, you knew right away, that's why they took him. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I maybe I've shared the story with you guys off mic, but I mean, I, I stood in front of Aiden Hutchinson in Vegas. And he's impressive, 6'6", 260, and it's a big, strong guy, but is not built like this. I mean, not in any way, shape, or form, built like Trayvon Walker.
3: Yeah, when Trayvon Walker came in that Friday after he was drafted and he was in just a jumpsuit, you know, he's, wow, he's big walking down the hallway. But then when you see him on a football field in gloves and you look at his arms that are basically to his knees, my brother texts me, it's funny, I tweeted out a clip of one of his drills. My brother goes, my God, I'm scared of him. I think that's the impression we all had from him. Well, he
1: looked like he was participating in a padded practice. Yeah. Yeah, right. And right. it wasn't Pat. It was not. And it, I've seen a few guys like that. When I covered Bob Sanders in the, the Colts, I used to joke about that. He, he would walk out during OTAs, and he looked like he was going to practice because he was that big and strong. Trayvon Walker is about three of Bob Sanders, but he's impressive. The Jaguars
0: Reporters Podcast runs each Monday on Jaguars.com and the official Jaguars Podcast Network. Moving along to Jags Drive Time Tuesday morning. Jaguars right guard Brandon Sheriff joined the show to discuss his new environment with the Jags after spending his first seven NFL seasons with Washington.
3: We're back. Jaguars Drive Time brought to you by Jet Home Loans. Excited to have offensive lineman Brandon Sheriff join the show now. Brandon, welcome in and excited to be back on the football field, I can imagine. It's finally for real here in Jacksonville.
4: It's really nice and the weather's nice here too, so I'm enjoying myself.
3: Not too hot though yet, right? Not
4: not yet. I heard Gets, I heard it gets worse.
3: It's going to be It prevalent. can get warm in Iowa it in can. The summer.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For about a week. <laughs> yeah, right. Short summer up there. Yeah, amen to that.
3: So tell us just how it's been going um, with Coach Peterson and just this off-season program. We... Out on the football field, feel it's very relaxed but efficient. Do you feel the same way?
4: Yep, you know, just learning a new system uh, with Coach Peterson and Coach Phil and then a new offense with uh, Press Taylor. So I think they're just, you know, trying to work us in baby steps here and just stacking one day at a time. And Coach uh, Peterson always talks about the 1%, getting 1% better each and every day and uh, just just coming to work and having fun.
2: You had different head coaches in your time in Washington, but you were in Washington (laughs) your whole career. What's it like now, six, seven years in, to step up and try something new?
4: Yeah you know uh, change you know uh, I enjoyed my I enjoyed my time in Washington I had some great coaches and I'm so thankful for you know them and I wouldn't be where I am without them so uh, but change is good and you know uh, just it's all it's all pretty much the same just new terminology just uh, just a new way to do things so just come in and uh, you know just just grind and have fun.
1: What were your impressions uh, of uh, Doug Peterson as an opponent for years and how they lined up what are your impressions now?
4: Yeah, he's a great coach. He's you know he's one of the best. He's a smart coach. He won a, he won a Super Bowl for a reason, you know. Uh, so uh, you know I'm very fortunate to to be able to play with him, to play for him, and you know and learn from him too. So uh, I think we got a heck of a heck of a team, and we're excited to to just keep uh, building one at a time.
2: We're spending a lot of time talking about you know who, what, and where on the offensive line. What's that yeah. like for you? First of all, you're stepping into a new group anyway, right. And now they're talking about competition at right tackle and who's going to be the left guard, and how do you build the cohesion when you don't know who's going to be where?
4: I don't think you can worry about that. You know, right now you just got to, You know, we we haven't really stepped out on the field yet. You know, you're just doing individual stuff. You are uh, doing a few team team things, but it's all about just learning the playbook. And that's you know, you got to worry about yourself first. You know, know make sure you know what to do and how to do it. And uh, like Phil says, he's got three things: know what to do, know how to do it, and be the same guy every day. So coming in, coming in work, and just uh, and just show the coaches that you know what to
2: do. So it sounds like you're not concerned about it. That comes together. In yes. August.
4: Uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it, c- it comes together. It slowly comes together, but uh, we also like to get people together during OTAs and, and build that build that camaraderie together, you know, outside of practice, too. So we just moved into a house, so that's my goal, is to to finally get people over there and just <laughs> yeah. enjoy it. Jags Drive Time airs Tuesday at
0: 10 o'clock on com and the Jags social media channels. Another busy weekend ahead at Daly's Place tonight. Sting at Daly's Place Chicago. We'll play this Sunday, May 22nd. Tickets and information at dailiesplace.com and some great shows coming up over the next couple months. Hear Chad Muma explaining his battle with type 1 diabetes, plus Devin Lloyd on how he's settling into Jacksonville as a rookie, and a dog mentality with Bucky Brooks. All that
2: after this. Jags fans, fill your wallet with one debit card that screams Duval, exclusively from TIAA Bank.
0: The Jaguars are future-focused and ready for a new look in 2022. Join us at the bank this season. Single-game tickets are on sale now for the two preseason home games. The Browns and the Steelers come into the bank. And, of course, the regular season home games in Jacksonville feature the Colts, Texans, Giants, Raiders, Ravens, Cowboys, and, yes, the Titans. Lock in your seats. Visit Jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. Rookie linebacker Chad Muma sat down with senior writer John Ozier for this week's Ozone podcast. They had plenty to discuss about football, of course, but Muma talked about a medical condition that he's dealt with since middle school.
1: Diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when you were in 7th grade, correct? Right. Uh, tell me first about that. I've read a little bit about it, but it's fascinating how you must try to deal with that at that age and then sort of as you play through it with a high-level athletic career.
5: Yeah, so when I was first diagnosed, I was... You know, 13 years old, and I was going through all the, you know, type one diabetes symptoms. So, you know, you're drinking water all the time. You're always going to the restroom. You're, uh, you know, always tired. And so, like every night, I wake up and have to go to the restroom mm-hmm. uh, at least once. And then I'm turning on the faucet for about five minutes and just sitting there with my head underneath. And, <laughs> you know, I'm, after school every day, I'm coming home just going straight to, you okay. know, taking a nap. And I, at the time, I was like, man, you know, puberty kind of sucks. I'm going through <laughs> all this and everything, but. Uh, you know, after a couple of weeks, my parents kind of took notice of the symptoms right. and I actually lost about 30 pounds over that little course. Okay. Um, that's when you should be really putting on weight. And so yeah. uh, that's when I went in and got checked out. And, you know, at the time, I think my blood sugar was like 550 and it was the morning time, which for a normal person, their range is between 70 and 150. And so wow. mine was like okay. 550 yeah. or something like that. And uh, so then I was in the hospital all day until I got some insulin in me and got my numbers back down. And, you know, now it's just really about managing it and just mm-hmm. making sure that I'm always staying on top of it so I'm in that range and I'm able to, you know, go play football, go work out, go do these things and so uh, that's just kind of been something that, you know, I have to live with daily, but just, right. just be extremely disciplined with and, you know, everything's all right with it.
1: And it's something, correct me if I'm wrong, that you monitor during games at the end of quarters or halves and that and in practice at the same time. But it's also something you've been doing for what now, ten years. Yeah, no, it so seems like it yeah. seems
5: like it's been going on for a while now, but You know, definitely in games, what I'll do is I'll test my blood sugar at each quarter, uh, and then I'll adjust my numbers based off of if I need to give myself insulin if my sugar is too high or if my blood sugar goes too low. I'll uh, drink some Gatorade and eat some like fruit snacks or something like that. And so uh, it's kind of similar with practice. I'll test about halfway through, uh, make sure my numbers are still stable, and kind of just go for there.
1: Now, the main reason I asked in reading about this with you, it strikes me that it's very important for you to. Help in educating uh, kids younger than you, and to be sort of an inspiration. Am I reading that right?
5: Yeah. So when I was yeah, I was 13 years old, and you know, the first thing I did was search NFL players with type 1 diabetes, (laughs) and you know, Jay Cutler was the one that came up. And I was I'm from Denver, and so at the time uh, I was a really big Broncos fan. He He was at Denver for a little bit when he got diagnosed, and. Uh, there, that was kind of it, but I knew it was possible. So I think it's kind of being that voice for the younger athletes and not only football, just, just athletes mm-hmm. in general um, that have type 1 diabetes and just let them know that, you know, don't let this disease hold them back from going out and, you know, achieving all their aspiration and goals that they have.
1: And I assume finding out about Jay at the time, even though probably some doctors had told you that it was possible, that always helps see somebody who's actually doing it. It
5: always helps. I, I definitely think so. And, you know, today, like in the NFL – uh, you have guys like Mark Andrews and, right. uh, you know, Noah Gray and uh, a couple others. Um, and so just having multiple guys with type one diabetes, have that success. And, you know, there's other sports, um, you know, I'm sitting down with a group called, uh, uh it's, it's the group called Ho- hope, diabetes for hope or something like that. And, um, we're kind of getting together with different professional athletes and, uh, gonna be able to help some younger athletes, uh, and kind of be those voice for all those different sports.
0: The full conversation on the Ozone Podcast on Jaguars.com or the official Jaguars Podcast Network. Now to the linebacker room on the Huddle Up Podcast. Bucky Brooks, John Osher, and I discuss the influx of talent at the middle linebacker position and what kind of role Chad Muma could play.
1: I, for one, JP, I, I am worn out on there being so many good players around here. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess that's why I'm mad about the Muma picks. We've had too many of them. Uh, right. so, so, uh, huh. that's been a problem for these coaching staff for uh for decades is you know figuring out where to put good players
6: well i think uh, so here's the thing like the, the best t- the last time we saw a really good defense and a really good team was 2017 look at the linebackers that was that were on that squad and how they utilized them telvin and jack and Paws like they they found a way to utilize the talents and they put them on the field i think You could have a similar situation. I'm not saying that they're going to recreate Saxonville, because I still think we're lacking a little bit from the pass rush aspect. But that defense had a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism, and a lot of versatility, and they were able to use that to their advantage.
1: I remember JP on that 2017 team. You know, Dante Fowler. I don't know that he really had a true position on that team. You know. he wasn't mm-hmm. – I guess he was a starter, not really over Jan, you know what I mean? Like, there really – well, I mean, except for when he didn't. <laughs> but for that one yeah, yeah. yeah, but he really didn't – you look back, he really didn't have a role per se, but he had 10 sacks and forced a bunch of fumbles. And he wasn't the best player on that defense, but he, was but he enough, sure mattered.
0: Good enough to find a place yeah. for him.
1: Aaron Colvin was the nickel, you know, and mm-hmm. played some – you know, so uh, I'm into what Bucky's saying. I mean, it, it's when you – I've never known a team in the NFL to to whine about having too many guys who could play. So, certainly haven't known it around here. No. So, I to me the Muma pick was a huge step in the right direction philosophically. For that reason.
6: Yeah, no, yeah. I, th- I think I think it it will pay dividends down the line. This is a really good player, man. And I, I hate to keep comparing him to his former teammate, Logan Wilson, and what Logan Wilson has been able to do for the Cincinnati Bengals. But you have to compare him because stylistically, man, they play so similarly in terms of the way that they control the middle of the field, the way they're able to play in coverage, the way they get their hands on the ball, and they make a ton of disruptive plays. Mooma strikes me as the same kind of player. And what was impressive, and I know sometimes like this stuff can be for show, but how – quickly he wanted to dive into the playbook, how he wanted the playbook right away and how he wanted ownership and how uh I think Balkey was the one that mentioned, hey, he's a green dot player. And people have to understand the green dot player is the one who makes all the calls. He's the one that communicates with the coaches. He has the uh mic and the earpiece in the helmet. He's the traffic cop. And for him to want to embrace that and to do what he's always done, to me that makes it easy. Because if he does become that then it frees up the other guys to just focusing on playing, and that allows them to play fast, that allows them to play free, and hopefully it leads to a bunch of plays, a bunch of splash plays. This is the Huddle
0: Up Podcast. J.P. Shadrick, John Osher, and Bucky Brooks and a dog in the background. Bucky, what's uh, what's the, the lay of the land with the uh, the dog situation?
6: You know what right that now? dog has? That dog has a dog mentality.
0: Dog mentality <laughs> over
6: there. Yeah, dog mentality. So that, that might be Luna, but I don't know if there's Luna – or if that's Parmesan, because Parmesan is the dog next door. And so sometimes they get to the going. And so today, I think you have the gardeners running around, people all over the place. So, Bucky yeah, has a gardener, JP. Wow.
0: Must be okay, nice.
1: Well, yeah, that's uh, okay. <laughs>
6: hey, Bucky, how's the gardener <laughs> doing? How about that?
1: I didn't see How it big is your garden? garden?
6: I didn't say it was my garden. Oh. I well, said there's a gardener it, running around next door. You know who has a gardener? Not Somebody who gardener. would name their dog
1: Parmesan. How yeah, about well, that? That's fair. <laughs> that's,
6: and that's not my dog.
0: <laughs> Luna is my dog. Parmesan well, so,
6: is the neighbor's dog. Yeah.
0: A dog mentality from Bucky, the full huddle up podcast on jaguars.com and the official Jaguars podcast network. Let's wrap this week with the 27th overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, linebacker Devin Lloyd. He joined Jeff Loggeman and me on Jaguars Happy Hour Radio Thursday afternoon and explained his transition to the NFL so far. Let's get to arriving in Jacksonville now. Rookie minicamp comes and goes, couple, three days on the field, and now all of a sudden this past week, you've been out there with the veterans for the first time, OTAs next week. How's it been mixing with these guys in the building finally for the first time?
7: Yeah, it's been cool. It's been cool. Um, You know, it's definitely obviously different than college, but um, I think everyone's been really welcoming uh, for the most part as far as just guys in the building um, and really extending their hand to me and kind of really just giving me advice, you know, um, on the field, um, even off the field, um, in the locker room, things of that nature. So um, it's been a good vibe, and I can tell – Everybody around here is hungry to win, which, you know, I absolutely love. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's been a good few days of work, and, uh, you know, I can't wait to keep it going. For
0: folks around here, Devin, it's a brand-new linebacker room, right? I mean, it feels that way. There's a few guys that are back, but it's been rebuilt. I mean, that is from Aluakan, you're in, Mooma's in in the draft. That's a lot of change in one year. It's a stacked room. Do you guys feel that way too?
7: Yeah, we got a lot of guys in there um, that are really good. And that can do a lot of good things, you know, for um, the team. So um, it's competitive, as you expect. um, But, I mean, we're all, you know, getting each other better. We're all helping each other, um, you know, talking through things in the meeting room. So um, it's uh, it's a friendly competition, I guess you could say.
8: I think there's always a little bit of a a bonding experience with the rookie class when you guys come in because you're the rookies, you know, and whether you guys are drafted or undrafted. And then also you've got a fellow first-round draft pick in Trayvon Walker. That's probably uh, one of the coolest experiences I think that you'll ever have is coming in as a rookie because you'll have a bond with these guys because you came in together and you're going to grow up in the league together. And Have you gotten to spend some time with some of the other guys so far?
7: Yeah. um, I know me personally, I've been – hammer my playbook in my free time so I haven't been doing much outside of uh, the facility but um in the facility and everything yeah we'll we'll chop it up and um you know still you know getting to really um get acclimated with the large majority of you know the players on the team but um but yeah you know I'd say you know the rookies are pretty pretty tight with each other
0: what's the um what's the feel with coach Peterson what do you like about uh Doug so far
7: yeah um you know obviously he's very uh I say he's a players coach just because, you know, he does know how to talk to the players and, um, you know, he has uh, pretty good um, communication with the players, I guess you could say. Um, but also, uh, I can tell he's a winner. You know, he's got that mindset um, that he's going to do whatever he can for the team and whatever is best for the team. Um, so, you know, I love that. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm just excited to keep it going, you know, continue to uh, to see what everyone is about, you know.
8: Watching, uh, watching the film on you at Utah. You did so many different things. Uh, you were uh, played will linebacker. Sometimes you were a deep middle third player when, like a like a cover two playing that deep middle. You blitzed off the edge. You had a lot of different stat filling numbers. What do you envision yourself doing in the National Football League? At what type of position? Because you're so varied. I mean, you can do so many different things. What's your strongest suit? And what do you see yourself doing?
7: Me personally. Um I mean, I feel like, especially in this 3-4 uh, scheme, um, obviously I'm learning inside linebacker right now. Eventually I want to be able to transition to play any of those four, be interchangeable, um, and do what I did, you know, in college, uh, except at a higher level at, um, with more success. Um, I mean, really, I see myself, see myself as somebody who can do anything that you can ask a linebacker to do, you know, and I think the game is transitioning more from, you know, getting just, you know, I mean, dudes to – got to be athletes now too, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, you know, I kind of want to be, you know, that that type where, you you know, he's positionless. You can play wherever and do it at a high level, have success, not just be a liability and not just put him out there, but be able to be elite.
0: Jaguars Happy Hour Radio airs Thursday at 4 o'clock on 1010XL AM in Jacksonville and Jaguars.com on the Jaguars social channels, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. You can listen to all our podcasts, of course. Click the top of the homepage at Jaguars.com where it says, yes, podcasts, or where our podcasts also live, the official Jaguars podcast network. It's on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We love that feedback, of course, so leave us a comment and a five-star rating. Enjoy the weekend, and thanks for listening. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next week on the Jaguars Broadcast Weekend Review Podcast presented by TIAA Bank.